I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Hello and welcome to Brian Moore's Full Contact with The Telegraph and Remy Martin. Coming up this week we'll be speaking with Zinzan Brook, David Wallace, Hugo Southwell and the Red Roses coach Simon Middleton. But first this week in the studio I'm joined by the former England and Lions back row and World Cup winner Neil Back. Hello Neil, how are you? Hi Brian, hi. Were you at the game on Twickenham on Saturday? I was, yes. Uh, an incredible atmosphere, uh, long overdue, this battle against the world champions and ranked number one team in the world and it didn't let anyone down. Mm-hmm. Well let's get the big controversial thing out of the way, the try. Um under the protocol, the guide protocol, the experimental protocol, any match official, including the TMO, is allowed to draw attention to any other match official, an incident which he believes might affect a decision on the field when a team has scored, provided they haven't taken the conversion and it's within two phases. This was definitely one of those, but the qualification is that along the lines of every other intervention, it's supposed to be only with clear and obvious evidence. Now, that always causes problems because people do not go from there and then say and read the rest of it, which is clear and obvious evidence with regard to the materiality of the game. Now, you'll have spoken to lots of referees and they always fall back on this thing, materiality, don't they? Yes, they do. What they do, they ignore this, they are. That means, for people who don't know, it means the circumstances of the game. So... If, for example, you stepped in front of the 10-metre line at a line-out on the halfway line and you were winning, and they were winning a lot, they might ignore that because it's not material. When it comes to a potentially game-winning decision, they will say that is material at all times. So the clear and obvious definition is stretched. Yeah, well, I'm glad you've clarified that because I was unsure um, and I knew I'd be asked this question coming down here. Um what I would say is take the unsure out of it and make sure you're two or three inches behind the line. It's not going to make that much of a difference. And he was tiptoeing along the line. And when you go on a tightrope, sometimes you drop off the wrong side. And that's unfortunately what happened. Because funnily enough, when he gets into line, he actually is parallel with everyone else. And people also got this wrong. It isn't the highmost foot or the... Um, furthest point of the rook if that contains opposition players your own player but still one foot is in front now mm. the definition of when it's out is tailor bound <laughs> with a hand yeah. on there all these sorts of things all I would say is this everyone knows that when a ball gets clear of rook provided it's not 
two metres or two feet clear, if it's just there, scrub are given time to clear they, the ball. They are, and I've got issue with that. Yeah, I, think I have as well, but, the, but that's what yeah, happens. Yeah, it's, it's, it is too lenient, and I think... Uh, there needs to be real clarity here um, because the unfortunate thing is he is tiptoeing along that line. Yeah. Does he need to? Um, would he have got the charge down anyway if it had been 100% legal in everyone's eyes, including the match officials? And I think he probably would have. So it's a case of small margins. We talk about small margins in sport and business all the time. This was a small margin. Last week exactly. it went our way. This week it didn't. Yeah. I don't think we should probably dwell further on it because we should talk about uh, the 80 minutes. Um, because that wasn't, there were other reasons yeah, for them not well, winning. Well, absolutely. Um, some iconic players, world class players on both sides made errors. Mm. Um, unfortunately, I think the errors um, our key players made probably had a bigger impact mm. on that game. And um, we can discuss those if if you want to. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll we'll do the positives because there were lots of yeah, positives as well uh, in a minute. But let's get these out of the way. Let's leave the decision making to one side. Hmm. If you lose fifty percent of your lineouts in a half, and of the half that you do win, half of that is not good quality ball, you're going to struggle. And England did. And although Jamie George underthrew a couple. It was a technical fault, which I thought I saw. I don't know what you think. was the fact that Itoji was being lifted or taking off at a point behind where Brodie Retallick was being picked up. So if they both get to the top of the jump, Retallick is always in front, and indeed he was. Yeah, I think uh, first half was fantastic. And because of our line-out performance first half, the analysis team on the Blacks... And Brody Retallick himself and Sam Whitelock would have had a, a big, short discussion in that small break at half-time. And they'd have sorted things out. And that's what they did. They they changed their position. So going forward, I think that sort of reflects the quality of that team and the leadership they've got in it. And what we need to do is is learn from it. It's hard to learn. It's a harsh lessons to learn. But... We were schooled there um, because they got in front of us, and like you say, um, the ball would have had lots had to have lots of air and dipping over, and would have had to go back to win that yeah. ball because yeah. he was getting up in front every time, not just once, twice. This comes from experience, doesn't it? Because you've you've got to first of all define the problem, then you've got to get the right solution, then you've got to execute it. And the more you've played, the more circumstances you've been, more pressure you've been put under. You do that because you 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 recognise things. And the, I think one of the problems also is when you do something that nearly works, it's just close to the top of the jump. Everyone thinks it's either me, I'm not being lifted high enough, or it's him, he's not throwing high enough. When the reality, that's not the problem, actually. No, I don't. I don't think um, I, I wouldn't lay the blame at George the hookers at all. Um, I think it's a team thing, and we needed to address it. They were operating two pods. There was lots of movement, but we've got to be smarter, and mm. we've got to hit the man that's that's not marked, and mm. then it's an easy jump. So that was for me one of the biggest contributive factors because whilst New Zealand started the half well. 
England would have been able to pressure them if they'd have managed to stay with possession and build momentum and territory and pressure. And that just went. In the first half, they got the must-win balls and they couldn't do that. But look, look at another couple of things. The All Blacks went for a scrum. They backed themselves. It was, uh, you know, they were static all game, no problems. They score. That happens. Not what you want, but I don't... Under- look, anyone can miscue a kick, but I don't understand why they were kicking short with 59, you know, 39 minutes to go. I, I, I can't explain that, can you? Yeah, for me, uh, that score, um, we kicked off um, in the final minute of that first half. And you've got to be saying, what, what, do, you, what do you want? You want the, the opposition to run from 80 metres and, and beat you, and that's fair enough. But to kick it short and try and get the ball back, I don't think that was the right option. So for me, um, our kick chase from kickoffs was really strong and good. We should have kicked long. May and co. put in pressure and then go on, earn, earn the try. That going out... Owen Farrell knew straight away, he put his hand up, yeah. but that's one of the significant moments of the game for me yeah. um, because, you know, minutes later, um, they're making it a five-point game. Yeah, and psychologically, and you could tell in the stadium, try went in, people understand New Zealand can do that, but when they compounded that with the error, it felt really flat, and it must have the team th- have thought, we've just given them something well we did it at both ends of both halves yes when we didn't this is the absolute clarity that this team needs we are moving ever closer the gaps closing etc etc but we've got more than close the gap we've got to be really brutal in the analysis of this game we've got to sit down and the team has got to look each other in the eye and say Given the circumstances, again, what are we going to do? Because we've got to play a, a, a better percentage game. What I admired, and I admired lots what England did, but New Zealand, they found a way, they tactically changed their all-singing, dancing 10 play. It could have been a an 80s, 90s fly-off for England. He, he kicked well. He doesn't want to kick. He wants to run the ball. He wants to offload. It wasn't that type of game. What weren't those conditions? And they, scarily for me, under the cosh, under the pump, found a way to make top, top decisions under pressure that ultimately made the difference. OK, well, we'll come back to reflect on the things and the people who did, players that did well for England. But now... I can get a New Zealand point of view because we can speak to the former New Zealand number eight. Uh, someone who's always got things to say for himself. It's Zin Zambrook. Hello, Zinni. Hello, I'm all right. How are you, bud? How are you, Becky? Hi, Zin. Good to see you yep. again. Good to see you again too, buddy. Um, you. Did you expect that performance from England? Um, no, I was. I, 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 but no, I didn't actually. But uh, I did actually say. I did actually say on on Friday night with uh, with, with Backy that uh, I don't think there's. I don't think there's a great deal of pressure on uh, on England because of uh, what they um, what they did uh, a week earlier. So I think the pressure would have been off. So they can come into the game with with you know because the expectation was that we all thought that New Zealand were going to rock up and yes, I know they were going to be focused, but uh, the performance. And I have to say, I, I, I would say that the better team actually lost the game. Mm-hmm. But um, and you know, but there were certain situations that changed the scape of it because of 
maybe because that little bit more experience that New Zealand have uh, been in this, these these situations mm. on numerous occasions. But uh, you know, with that confidence that they have within and that self belief with, uh, with with the quality of, of the players. But uh, yeah, I I think the better team actually lost the game. In terms of the back row, because England have been trying to find the balance and whatever, who do you think won the back row battle on uh, Saturday? Um, I think well, I think they shared the roles, but uh, you know, I thought Sam Underhill was uh, quite outstanding. You know, he was he was uh, playing at probably one and a half men. Uh, he was yeah, he was it was quite it was uh, it was very encouraging from an English perspective. But um, you know, I think they sort of matched themselves up. But what was which I felt was going to be a, a, a little bit flat because. Just before just before kickoff, you know, even you know, doing the anthems, you know, the heavens opened up, and uh, you know that was the, the, the that was the consistency of the throughout the throughout the match. But I just love the endeavour of uh, for, for both teams actually to to try uh, and run and run the ball even in those uh, th- those conditions. But uh, yeah, I, I was absolutely delighted from from both aspects. Either team either team could have been worthy winners, uh, but you know we just we just clawed it at the end, um, but. Sometimes, sometimes it happens. But I felt that the All Blacks would have—they know that they were let off the hook, and they won. They won a little bit ugly. On the back row, um, I think you know through unfortunate injuries to England players, Benny Vernapola, Rob Shaw, etc. With and unfortunately, Curry last week. Um, I was looking forward to watching Curry in particular have a run of four games so he could put his stamp and we could see exactly what we've got but the opportunity presented itself and Underhill was amazing I think Wilson's put his marker down and for the first time I feel really confident that we've got two tiers of quality bat rowers that will challenge each other right the way through over the next 12 months and that's exactly what we need to going into the World Cup next year no one will feel safe in that shirt and that'll up the ante across the team. In terms of the balance and the competition between the back rows at the weekend, I think it was evenly matched. I mean, Salvea, had he have caught that ball, it was a whatever you say, it was a poor pass really from Smith. Um, it should have been in front of him. I think that would have put a different perspective on the game. Um, but both teams made mistakes and uh, unfortunately... The New Zealand come out on top. Zinni, can I just ask you a final question? Steve Hansen yep. said, um, "Whoever wins the next game, which is Ireland and uh, your uh, team, will be the best team in the world, regardless of, regardless of World Cup rankings." Do you agree? Uh, look, I, look, you know, look, it's 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 just a number. You know, really, at the end of the day, here, are the players really worried about whether they're ranked number one, two, or three, or even in, in the top five? The players don't matter. Look, that's just. That's for that's for the press. That's for the for the people that actually uh, want to acknowledge the success of, of of teams that are progressing throughout the uh, through the uh, through the ranking system. But from a player's perspective, I wasn't for me playing in those days. I, I it didn't bother me whether you were number one, two, or three. At the end of the day, it's what you do, and you, you wouldn't have seen the ranking of what England came into when you when you just in the last couple of weeks. Um, you, you know, probably the ranking system for against South Africa. I thought it was probably about right, but. Goodness me, uh, there's been glimpses, but what I liked about what England did, there was consistency throughout the whole 80 minutes. I haven't, the last time I, I, I saw that happen was probably 2003. Well, it'll be interesting. Uh, quick prediction for the Ireland game from you? Um, 
Well, you know, regardless of the weather, I, I still think um, it's yeah, it's going to be uh, it'll be a you know it's going to be strikingly a good test. But I I think the All Blacks will um, I think the All Blacks will uh, still win the game. But I don't think the margin of uh, I would say between nine and eleven points. Uh, and saying that, you know, the island there's an element of confidence and that real belief. So, you know, the All Blacks might um, yeah, it might be pressed again. But that's that's why you're ranked n- number one uh, in the world because you 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 absorb all the all the pressures and come back from uh, what All Black what All Blacks did last week. Uh, but there'll be the kitchen sink and everything else will be chucked in on All Blacks this weekend. So, but it's going to be a it's a modifying game, but I I still I still think it's going to be seven to eleven points. Spoken like a true old but <laughs> Zinni, great to speak to you again. Thanks very much. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Cheers. Well, Neil, we always get questions on this podcast. Uh, George Thorpe wants to know: Should Underhill be a regular starter at open side flanker for England after his performance? And uh, well, he was mightily impressive, wasn't he? It was very impressive. Uh, you know, one of the standout players. Um, he's got an opportunity uh, with the unfortunate injury of Tom Curry. And on that performance, he's going to be in the shirt again and potentially get another two tests in the seven shirts. So it's all in his hands. Um, I'm sure he won't rest on his laurels after the performance this weekend. He'll be looking to improve. Um, and we need to do that because... Um, Japan are no mugs. Um, They'll put a a fist fight. But I think it's really important that we... uh, We're going to score tries against Japan. There's no doubt about that. But it's what we do when they've got the ball. We've got to ensure that we totally uh, dominate them in the set piece, um, have an 80-minute line-out and smash them. I know Eddie's talked about smashing them, but the physicality, that's what we did to New Zealand at the weekend. We smashed them. We were up in line, version on offside, particularly in the outside channels, um, but just got to maintain that discipline. I mean, one of the things that's easy to do in games where you're expected to win and you, in fact, do win and win quite well is people don't focus on things like discipline because when you play the All Blacks, if you give too many penalties away, you'll lose. If you give more than you should do against Japan, you probably won't lose still. But it's that sort of attention, isn't it? You know, playing saying to people, this is a, a game where, of all games, you don't need to put your hand in there, you don't need to lie there, you don't need to creep offside because we should win anyway. And if, we, if you don't do that, that's a serious issue. One of my favourite games, and it's not because we won 134 nil. Um, it was the attitude of the players playing. It was against Romania. Um, I was privileged to be captain that day, but what I didn't want it to be is an 80 points to 20 game. Mm-hmm. We put our sort of foot on their throat and didn't let them breathe air. Th- through the blood gargling in their lungs for the entire 80 minutes. We were absolutely brutal. Every time we come back and refocus and did it again. Now, Japan are not Romania. They're a much better team than that. But we need to go in with the same attitude and really try and give a 100% disciplined performance. All players have weaknesses. I think Undale's one is sometimes he looks for contact rather than looking to 
to offload the ball, but he obviously has got a little bit of pace because he was able to skin Borden Barrett, which was quite well, hilarious. one of my favourite moments. So I brilliant. never did that. So <laughs> he's got one up on me. No, he deserves his chance. He'll get it. He needs to replicate that. I haven't seen much of Wilson uh, live. Obviously, I've seen him on TV. When you see him live you realise just how much work he does, how quickly he gets back off the ground. At one point, he missed a tackle and slipped. He came back and tackled Reed, And yeah. he's, he, you know, I mean, this is a big thing in, in the game today, isn't it? How quickly you get back on your feet, how quickly back in the action. And he is relentless. Yeah, his work rate was incredible. I'd love to see his, his stats. Um, but look, when you're on the floor, you're out of the game. So, you know... It, the speed to feet and back into play, both in attack and defence, is absolutely critical. You rest when the, the clock's off. When it's on, get in play because, you know, the best teams in the world, if you're not there, it's five points. And take a look at uh, the uh, last player making up the back row last Saturday, um, Brad Shields. Look, we know he's a quality player from Super Rugby, but for me at the moment, in Test Rugby, he hasn't quite hit it yet. No, I'd agree with you. Um, he's been, it's been steady, um, but not outstanding. Um, I'm sure part of that is because he's getting to the used to the way yeah. that we play, and the players around him. There's not real autonomy in the team, and particularly in the back row because it's forever changing. Um, but he's been steady, you know. He's doing a lot of the graph that's unseen, but we need to see a bit more of him. I'd like to say when he carries putting other people into play. Um, we need someone in the back row that's not going to go to ground with the ball because when you're on the floor, it slows the game down. You need to offload and get through. And that's what New Zealand did well. Even in those conditions, even though they were pretty pragmatic, they still threw some of those passes that, got them across the game line, got them in behind England's defence. Well, it was just like the line-out, it was noticeable that they approached the way in which they went into contact differently in the second half. It was very much straight one-out, or even when it was two or three-out, it was a direct run. In the second half, balls inside and outside at the last second gave England a lot more problems, and that's why they got over the game line as well, because it's difficult to defend that. So that's another thing you adapt to. Let's look at a couple of more people uh, before we move on who did well. Ashton? Well, you've just got to applaud Ashton. Um, he wasn't getting picked for England. He went away to a top club in France. He's improved himself as a, as a player, I think it is a bit more grounded now. I think he realises how special it is to play for your country. And I think he was fantastic at the weekend. His attitude was first class. Um, he's, he's not perfect by any stretch of the imaginations. But, you know, from what he's gone through and to mm. to get over the whitewash within a couple of minutes was incredible. And that was down to his communication. Yeah. Um, Mackenzie, we've talked a bit about him. He was amazing for New Zealand, one of their top players, but he made a mistake, particularly defensively there. The the rush round um, from England right to left, you know, he should have been behind the, the left winger there. 
and he went missing. And, and Ashton spotted that, communicated it. Yeah. Unfortunately, Ben Young's heard it and was be able to deliver that pass over the top. I'll tell you what still is there, though, and this has been a consistent theme throughout his career, the red missed a little bit, because in the um, first half, he got high tackled, or he's claimed he got high tackled. And he was so, he brought it to the referee's attention. Yeah. And the subsequent rook, he was so bothered about drawing the referee's attention to it, he very nearly, in a, in a defensive guard position, got whacked back off the ball because he was bo- more bothered about, he was angry, yeah. not concentrating on what he was doing. Look, everyone has faults. And I well, thought. He... I, I didn't spot that. I, I can see that in his game because I, I remember the incident where. He was literally on one knee and he was looking back at the ref and going, oh, he's got hit, yeah, exactly. hit got hit. Yeah, so I, d- I didn't see the after incident. So yeah. I was in hospitality and I was probably <laughs> ne- necking a point. <laughs> Fair enough. Do you, always difficult. It's been a, a problem since you won the World Cup, the centre partnership. Um, I rate Ben Teal. I think he does a lot of work people don't understand, actually. Mm. Uh, Henry Slade has been steady without being spectacular or certainly not as spectacular as he is for Exeter, but then again, it's a higher level. But I do think the Farrell starting at 10 with Ford as an option to come on is the option that they ought to take going forward. What do you think? I 100% agree. And it takes 23 players to win a game um, and a lot more to prepare the squad. And the squad's going away on... World Cups, etc. There's lots more players, and they all count. They all matter, and they all contribute to the success of the team. So, you know, I know Eddie's got away with, from it a bit, and and, and Clive did talking about finishers, etc. Look, it doesn't matter if you're on there for a minute or eighty minutes. You still contribute to the success of the team from the support from the sideline, support the coaches getting messages to the players. So Ford shouldn't, if he's on the bench next week, feel that it's I'm less important. And hopefully the, the squad know that um, because I can think back to the, the best teams that I played with and we've talked about the back row, the pressure that we had, Lawrence, Hilly and myself, from Moody, Martin Corey, Joe Worsley... You can have a bad game. So that pressure was there. So Ford should not be demoralised. I know it's easy for me to say, but every one of those 23, whatever game time they play, even if they don't get on, will contribute to the success of the team. So who cares as long as you win? Well, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, as you say, it's more difficult to do, but it's, it's required. Let's just mention um, Wales' first victory over Australia in 13 matches. They should have won Australia at the moment. I mean, Australia are still a dangerous team. Absolutely, yeah. Because if you uh, don't shackle their backs, they are tremendously potent. But it was a game I thought Australia would lose. They did lose. And I just wonder how much that will do for the Welsh psychology because it's one of the hurdles they've not been able to get over in the past few years. They'll be absolutely buzzing because um, when you look back in the future, you're not going to be thinking about the manner of the victory, just who won. It soon gets forgotten, and that's why uh, with England, I'm frustrated. We're building a side, we're building a side. Against New Zealand and the top teams, it's about winning. It's not about building. Wales would have felt exactly the same. 
the win. They can move on now with confidence in training. It has a psychological effect. Mm. It gives you a lift. You feel much better in yourself. You know, you're not fielding as much social media negativity uh, when you lose. And it's a part, it's, it is a part of the mix. It's a small mm. margin and uh, it, it's huge confidence. I mean, I know Zinni talked about rankings. I absolutely agree with him, but Wales are ranked third in the world. They're ahead of England at the moment. And they'll be looking forward to the Six Nations as I am next next year. It's going to be amazing. And, you know, if Ireland, England, Wales are to threaten in the World Cup, they've got to be able to win five games on the bounce in seven weeks. Because in the World Cup, you've got to win seven over six. Well, we've teamed up with Dove Men Plus Care, who are the official supplier to the England and Ireland international teams. And this year, they've been celebrating the spirit of rugby with the Telegraph. Lauding those going above and beyond with an outstanding act of care on or off the field. Joining the podcast now to tell us his story is the Bath and England winger Samisa Rokadunguni, or more accurately, Lance Corporal Rokadunguni. Hi, how are you, buddy? I'm okay. Look, I've read that you said that rugby was never the plan for you, but the army was. Why, why did you want to join the army? Yeah, I think personally for, for me, army was uh, was kind of like the plan all along because uh, my dad was in the forces as well so we're kind of like the, the army runs in our family and nothing is basically on for me so uh, the only option is to, to to join the forces so yeah okay well talk us through the moment when you were offered a contract by bath in 2012 what did you feel like then everything was new for me because um i, I was surprised me and my colonel we were talking back then and we were both surprised that the bath went up and said right you're gonna offer your contract and my boss turned around and said, hey, that's the best club. That's a, that's a good club. So why don't you go and showcase your talent? If that doesn't work out, then you still got a soldiering uh, career to come back to. So uh, if that works well, then you can continue on uh, whatever uh, the, the, the rugby career is taking you. So, uh, so I came in, uh, spent two or three weeks trial period with, with Bath and uh, kind of like impressed the coaches as well. So uh, they, they offered the contract and uh, ever since then I've been with Bath, yeah. That's fantastic. What are the similarities between life in the army and life at Bath? Yeah, life, life, life in the forces. I mean, um, when we were out there in Afghanistan, there's a, there's a captain or there's a, and there's a commander and then there's, um, there's blokes that um, make up the team. So when you go out there, there's a plan, there's an aim, and then we come back, we review what we've gone through uh, throughout the, when we do operations uh, and stuff like that. So uh, when uh, joining, joining Bass Rugby and everything else, is, uh, I fit it in quite easily because of, because of that, um, that environment that I was brought up with. Are there any difficulties in combining the uh, life uh, uh, as an Army Lance Corporal and a rugby player? Not really. I mean, um, for, for us... Uh, uh, I mean, guys, we we've been taught to be flexible at all times. So, whatever comes across, you're able to uh, readjust yourself and uh, straight into it, rather than spending most of your time like trying to to uh, to adjust yourself to whatever is going on. So, me coming from the forces side with all the physicality, all the training, the punctuality, the, the dress codes and stuff like that, and then the the mindset into uh, whatever is uh, you're putting your your body to uh, the activities that you have to do. Uh, coming from that environment, coming into uh, the rugby environment, I like I, like I said earlier on, I fit it in quite easily. 
uh, and we managed to uh, managed to uh, carry on with the with the whatever task has been uh, put on my way. So yeah. Well, you've um, lit up all the uh, venues you've been on, and good luck in everything you do, Samisa. Thank you very much. Cheers, my man. Thank you very much. That's the uh, Bath and England wing, Samisa, or more importantly, Lance Corporal Rockadinguni. Well, for listeners who want to read more about Rocco's story, you can head over to tgr.ph forward slash Dove Rugby, where you can also see the equally exceptional acts from Australia's Scott Fardy following the 2011 earthquake in Japan, and why the England rugby star Jack Noel cares so much about the RNLI. The ink will also be... Sorry... The link will also be in the show notes for you to see. Time now to discuss Ireland's win over Argentina. And I'm pleased to say we are going to speak to David Wallace, the former Ireland flanker. Hello, David. Hey, Brian. How are you doing? Hi, David. Hey, Neil. How are you keeping you up? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. It was a slightly nervy win over Argentina. But um, Dan Levy's performance perhaps gives Joe Schmidt... uh, a welcome sort of problem. Who does he select? How would you rate Ireland's performance? Um, I would say, look, I think good. They got the win. Look, Argentina are, are a team they seem to be building every time it comes to a World Cup. Um, and they seem to be getting stronger, having two wins in, in the championship and, and maybe should have had a third in that last game against Australia. But um, I think it was a good win. I think Ireland were probably expected to win um, and maybe even expected to win by a little bit more. Um, but I was kind of thinking between 10 and 15 points would be a good win. I think the 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 fact maybe that they hadn't been together a lot, it was a disrupted week in terms of their preparation with one half of the team over in, um, in the States and Chicago playing Italy uh, and the rest of the guys as uh, more senior players, I suppose, at home. Um, and even some guys uh, with Munster and with Leinster down in South Africa playing pro um, uh, pro fourteen stuff. So uh, there was um, it was a bit of this disjointed week, and I think that maybe crept in um, at times to the game. You could see they weren't maybe as cohesive as they have been, you know, over the last few years, and um, and you know a lot of errors maybe, and we were kind of used to seeing probably the Irish team. Um, Hold on to a lot of ball and and uh, you know not not give away you know knock ons or, or you know cheap penalties or things like that. So I think they'll have a lot to work on. The lineup obviously was it was probably a little bit um, out of sorts as well. Um, I think Deb Toner coming on made a big difference there. Um, great to be able to bring a guy on like that, you know, on the sidelines, um, not just for 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 lineup, but you know, obviously even even though he is so tall, he, he's so he's so good around the park as well. Um, but yeah, look, I think I think they'll be happy with the win. Um, but look, a lot a lot to improve on, especially going into what is a formidable challenge um, at the weekend against the Blacks. Well, you mentioned the big one, and I know that the expectation and excitement in Ireland has been. Uh, well, it's been out of all kilter, hasn't it, for quite a while now. It's everyone, and not just Ireland, actually. A lot of people are looking forward to this clash to see how it goes. But Conor Murray, likelihood of playing? Uh, look, I, I don't think he's going to play. I know Steve Hansen is probably uh, doubtful, and he's, he's very vocal in that, and he says he thinks it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a, a ploy by Ireland. Um, but it's some ploy if he's been kept out of Munster and Irish. <laughs> trainings and things like that for these last few months. Um, yeah, no, I, I think uh, it's pretty unlikely. He, he was in the Aviva, I think, at the weekend. But, um, 
Yeah, I'd say um, no. I mean, I think just in terms of even preparation and everything for for, for game time, um, you know, I'd, I'd, he'd need to be training with the squad full, full on and, and that. And uh, look, he hasn't been doing that. So no, I think it's a very very unlikely. Well, one of the things that Ireland have been particularly impressive in it's been a uh, a process uh, over many uh, years is their gradual mastery of the control of the game, which is something the All Blacks do, making the right decisions at the right time, executing them properly. A lot of that's come from half-back, but it's not just there. Do you think Ireland are in a position now where when it comes to the pressure games that they can beat the best? Ah, yeah, look, I think they've proven that. Um, they look, think they've built a great squad. I mean, I think in years past when you look at World Cups like in 15 um, we, we obviously got a, a whole slew of, of injuries going into that French game after uh, sorry after the French game go, uh, and going into the start of that Argentinian game we probably lost maybe six key figures key leaders over the course of those two weeks and, and uh, you know I think that really dented dented us in that in that game against Argentina and uh, I think over the last four years we've we've built a very very strong squad the problems that have been going well obviously Leinster look have, have taken it to another level and a monster getting back up there and, and you know we're getting um, a bit of a feed now from, from the likes of Connacht uh, as well as and, and obviously Ulster have always been there as well too but players so there's there's a lot of strength and depth in many positions obviously one one area of concern is obviously Connor Murray's position because the golf there I think between himself and anyone else in the world in my view anyway is, is massive and what he adds to a team but I think with, with that strength and depth with someone like Joe Smith as well at the top who's who's able to, to get his message across and instill it in his players and so they know their are game inside out um, and he's able to make the right decisions and are fully aware I suppose of, of what the, the protocols are in, in different situations uh, to make those decisions that uh, I think, yeah, they can. Look, they've proven it against New Zealand a couple of years ago um, and a lot of those players, I know a lot of English players as well, Welsh and Scottish, were, were part of that Lions uh, test series as well where they beat the All Blacks in their own turf and, and had a draw. Um, so look, I think that that is, uh, you know, they are, I suppose, New Zealand are the, are the, the benchmark and they are the best in the world. David, making predictions, making predictions is a notoriously difficult and foolish thing to do, actually, frankly, which is why I'm going to ask you to do it and not me. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, what's the prediction? On what? Is it this World Cup, is it? Or, no, 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 no. The, 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 Ireland, New Zealand, who's going to win? Who's going to win? Um, I think, I still think that New Zealand are favourites. Um, you know, Ireland are at home, second in the world, but I think that they will be up for the game. Um, I'd love to see an Irish win. Um, we haven't done it at home yet, you know. Uh, Ireland haven't beaten them; they've obviously beaten them in Chicago, but we haven't done it in home soil. So, um, yeah, I just I still can't see it yet, though. Um, I think Conor Murray in the team possibly might be a bit different. Um, I think he's just such a loss. Um, I, I, I think you know so much of Ireland's play revolves around him, um, and with him being out, I think we just we're down maybe five percent, and, and that's that that extra bit you need to get over the line. Having said that, New Zealand New Zealand have been stuttering a little bit of late, um, so you never know, but I still think, I can't see Ireland beating them. I'd love to see it, I really would, um, but I think we might keep it for the World Cup final. Well, we will soon find out, and uh, unusually, as I said, a lot of people from outside Ireland are really looking forward to this, so let's hope. Thank you very much for joining us, David. 
Thanks, Brian. Cheers. Thank you. David Wallace, the former Ireland flanker. Now, speak to a fullback. It's a former Scotland fullback. It's Hugo Southwell. Hello, Hugo. Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm all right, mate. Uh, 54 17. Um, we're behind. It looks like a straightforward victory. It was in the end, wasn't it? It was in the end, yeah. I think they got they were, Scotland were made to work pretty hard in that first uh, first forty minutes, and uh, we saw the typical flair of, uh, of the Fijians coming to the fore uh, with some of their tries. But um, yeah, I, I think it was it was a matter of patience. It was a matter of um, getting uh, getting getting the, the, the full set of uh, game plan into action, and, and in the end, they came out pretty strong. The second half was uh, particularly dominant and a good performance from Scotland. According to today's Telegraph, the Monday's Telegraph, the uh... Hogg is, is off to Exeter Chiefs. Um, I don't know if that's true. I presume there's a strong rumour. Um, and he's back in the side. How do you think he went? I think he was. He sort of. It looked like he felt his way back into it. Um, he, he wasn't uh, his typical. I mean, in a game that was, was quite loose in the second half, you'd expect him to come into the game a lot. Um, Tommy, Tommy Seymour obviously bagged, bagged the hat trick, and he was a guy that uh, got the end of the try. That's normally uh, that's normally what Hoggy does, but. Yeah, we know he's a quality player. He just needs a bit of time uh, to get back into it, um, and I think uh, he'll be he'll be exactly where he wants to be for that game next weekend against South Africa. Um, and on his on his pending move, he's obviously mentioned uh, he's obviously now announced that he's leaving. Um, there was chat about Montpellier. There's so there's been more obviously chat recently about Exeter. I think um, Exeter for him would be a great club to go to. I mean, we've seen over the years that they've been. Uh, right up there in, in the Premiership, they've got a, a great breeding ground down there. They've got some quality players as well, and, and a great coach. And uh, it's, it's a great place for someone at his stage of his career to go to, I, I believe. Hi, Hugo. It's Neil back. back well? how are you? Right? Yeah, really well, thank you. Um, just interested on your thoughts ahead of the South Africa game, Fiji at the weekend. You, you think you'll have enough, and like you say, if you're patient, you'll you'll find the way towards the end. But South Africa, are a different proposition. How do you think you'll go this weekend? Well, I think I think in terms of physicality, they've warmed up well against the Fijians, and they weren't at their best, uh, Fiji. But um, you know, you still have to play play what's in front of you. I think this weekend, if you look at what happened in the Wales game, I think that's more comparable. Yes, the side will be different that Scotland will put out, but it'll be more comparable to what they'll have to do. Um, to, to beat the, to beat uh, South Africa, and for me, the issue against Wales, uh, if we go back a game, was that they just couldn't find find a way through, um, and that came from the, the physicality of Wales, both the breakdown, their decision making at the breakdown, but also their their, their line speed um, and their aggressiveness in a first up tackle, and that's what I get against South Africa. And in order to be able to beat South Africa, you've got to make yards off first or, or the first two or three phases. I feel they'll be a lot better having had those games, um, and they'll they'll get more um, uh, they'll get more sort of um, progress in, in that stage of the game. But will they get enough opportunity to break the South African defence down? We've seen they've been you know pretty tight over their their games. I know they just won in France in, in the last minute uh, of the weekend, but I think I think it's going to be a tough ask. But I think it's a game that Greg has already mentioned that Scotland tend to get up for, for games like this, and they raise their level for games like this. And we saw against New Zealand last year just got pipped. I think I think they'll um, they'll come out on top of Scotland. I really do, but I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a hard ask and a, and a long afternoon. If you look back at the rugby championship, where New Zealand and South Africa were scoring hatful bagsfuls of tries against each other, in actual fact, I think New Zealand scored four tries in thirteen games on the bounce. Why is it they're not scoring tries against the Northern Hemisphere teams? Uh, 
<laughs> it's that old adage, isn't it? That, you know, Super Super Rugby or um, Championship, uh, the Rugby Championship over there. It seems to it, they seem to just score more tries. I don't know whether the defence their, their focus is more on attack. Um, they're obviously very good defensive teams as well. Um, the way Safka defends, you know, they fly up in defence, and um, so you would have thought that that would put guys, teams that they play against, under pressure. Um, in terms of their attacking side, I, I, I can't really answer. That. I don't know why when they come over here. Is it is it the the colder weather? Is it the uh, you know we still you still get some dodgy weather in uh, in New Zealand and South Africa as well. So I can't really, I can't really answer it. All I'd say is that the um, I feel this weekend if you come to a, a Scotland side defensively, their organisation hasn't been too bad, but their one on one tackles have been um, pretty poor against bigger men. Um, and we saw that in the Wales game. We saw it in the Fiji game. You've got to make your first up tackles. If you make your first up tackles, I think South Africa nullifies a lot of their game. Um, and South Africa of late have gone back to that sort of game where they've just gone hard and direct and it's worked for them. If you can stop that at source, then you go a long way to beating these guys. Well, you're exactly right. If they get over the game line, then you've got problems, but we will see. Thank you very much for joining us yet again, Hugo. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Brian. Cheers. Cheers, Bucky. Cheers, Brian. Former Scotland fullback Hugo Southwell. You know, interesting question that. And one of the reasons I think is this the focus on running uh, in the rugby championship in the Super 15 creates a lot of excitement going forward, but you make mistakes against good defences. And then teams that can counter attack score tries. If you spend a lot of the game, like on Saturday, uh, at Twickenham, and that was dictated by the weather, obviously, where the ball's in the air and you've got a good kick-chase game. You don't get the room, you don't get the time, and so your opportunities are limited. And I think that, probably more than anything else, accounts for you know, fewer tries. Yeah, I think it's courage, encouraging for the Northern Hemisphere times. What we've mm. just got to do is play out the entire 80 minutes yeah. and we've just got to be smarter. <laughs> Well, it's not only the men that are playing Autumn Series. The Red Roses, the England women's team, are playing three fixtures, the USA, Canada and then Ireland, and they recorded a big victory, 57 points to five over the USA. And I'm really pleased now to see we've got their coach on the line, Simon Middleton. Hello, Simon. Hi, Brian. Uh, look, the USA had a player sent off quite early, and um, given the big margin of victory. How much can you learn from that? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think there was uh, oh, certainly plenty we, we can take from the uh, from from the game, uh, regardless of the incident, which was which, which was a very un- unfortunate one. Obviously, you know everybody would have certainly rather that not happen. But uh, in terms of our squad, we had uh, you know we had six people on debut. We had a very young squad ourselves, uh, so there was lots of elements of the game that we were looking at, lots of individual stuff that we we were able to uh, pick up from. And uh, and to be honest. You know, in some ways, it, it, the setting of itself probably didn't impact it as much as it, it it may have done. For instance, on a, on a dry day on a dry track, uh, the, the weather was so bad that it was a bit of a leveler anyway. So, uh, yeah, we were looking at lots of different areas of our game in terms of how we managed the game and some of the things we wanted to try. And so, regardless of the fact that they went down to forty men, there was still plenty uh, plenty for us to look at. Let's have a word on Katie Daly McLean, hundredth. Cap the fifth woman to do so for England. How long can she go on? 
Uh, well, I mean, obviously that, that that's down to Katie, but if you're judging on, on current form and current appetite for the game, uh, there's, you know, she'll, she'll certainly be well capable of going to the next World Cup in 2021 and what she wants to do that is really down to Katie, but, you know, she's... Uh, She's probably in the in the form of a life. Uh, she, she's she's the best she's the best standoff in the in the the, the Tyrrells uh, Premier 15s this season, and that's saying something because there's some good players in there. And she sort she sort of demonstrated that on uh, on Friday night by a, a man of the match performance. Uh, you know, with some very good players on the field, and she was pretty much head and shoulders above everybody. Uh, one of the attractions, possibly, of the women's game is the uh, fewer kicks. Because, um, actually, I mean, let's be fair, they're not um, as good as their male counterparts generally. And, and when I watched, I've watched several of your games against New Zealand, and it's always stood out to me that they've had a better kicking game. Uh, how's, how are you going about addressing that? Uh, I, I think, <laughs> to be honest, man, I, I, I probably dispute that a little bit uh, I think in the World Cup final which obviously uh, you know, it was a massive game they they demonstrate a better attacking kicking game than us but I think if anybody had watched the game in, in New Zealand when we played in Rotorua and beat them we, we, our kicking game was absolutely outstanding and we we, we, we literally kicked them to death uh, in that game and it's, and it's something we've worked on massively over the last mm. sort of Two three years building into the last World Cup, I think it's a it's a huge area. You know, as you say, it's an area of the game where uh, it's not been that prevalent in the women's game, uh, but it's it's a huge part of the game as we know. Uh, so we we've looked to develop it significantly over the last few years, and it's certainly part of our our backs uh, skill set. You know, we we need all our backs wherever possible to be able to kick the get kick the ball. Uh, we're working on we've worked on a lot of tactical kicking in the past. We're we're trying to ball on a lot more uh, attacking kicking uh, to our game as we move forward. Uh, so it's it's you know, it's a work in progress. It's not a natural skill for 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 many of the girls. Uh, so so it makes it you know a, a difficult skill to develop. But yeah, we 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 certainly uh, we certainly put a lot of emphasis on it, and, and we'll continue to do. Well, Canada are up next. Where where is the game? Uh, Doncaster. So it's, a, it's the first time the, the Red Roses will be going into Yorkshire. Obviously, we're in Yorkshire with myself. I'm, I'm really proud. I'm pleased about that. Uh, but yeah, it's a great venue is, is uh, Castle Park and we're, we're looking forward to, uh, to, to running out there. At one time, Canada were very near the top of uh, world rugby in with the women's game. They're not quite there now. What sort of outfit are they now and what are you expecting? Well, I think I think there'll, there'll be a, a stronger outfit than than came in uh, for the autumns last year when we played them in a, a three-test series. At that point, they'd come off their World Cup, uh, you know, obviously same same as we had, and they were very much a, a team in transition. A lot of their senior players were taking a rest from rugby or looking at alternative uh, sports and whatnot, or just taking a break. So they they brought a very young squad with with them. Uh, they're bringing a number of those World Cup players. Back with them uh, this time round, so they'll have all the usual traits that Canada have, which are very physical, great athletes. If you if you look at the the physical makeup of their squad, they are they are fantastic athletes. So it, it'll be it'll be. 
physical and it'll be physical for, for 80 plus minutes uh, for sure but there'll also be uh, probably a bit more guile and a bit more tactical nous about them this time round so it's it's certainly going to be a, a really challenging game for us you know and again we'll, we'll have a we'll have a pretty young squad out because we're, we're very much a team in, uh, in in transition as they say ourselves but uh, but yeah we're, we're really excited about it and as a final point that's uh... Good that you raised that because the point I want to ask you about. For a long time, uh, the women were settled, uh, quite a few household names, and those are going to go at some point. Can you give us a couple of names that you've got really, really ho- bright hopes for? Well, there's a few, to be absolutely honest. We uh, we, we were talking about this the other day. We probably had about 1,300 cats when we went into the, to the World Cup final or the World Cup in, in 2017, and... Uh, we had about 460 on the field the other night, of which four of them, uh, of which four, four of the players accounted for, for about 200 of the caps or 250 of the caps. Uh, Sounds like yeah, the men's got, team, actually. Yeah, it's it, very, very similar. Very similar. Uh, I mean, I could throw a few names at you, but I mean, we had a really exciting centre partnership for a start. Uh, Tatiana Heard at 12, Caris Williams, both making their debuts. You know, really exciting uh, young players who who, uh, who had a, a really good game, both of them. Uh, brought a young scrum half off the, off the bench, Claudia McDonald, who's only just started playing. Uh, and she, she's backing up uh, Leanne Riley now, who's who's done really well for me and, and she's come through. It's probably one of, our, one of our more senior players with around 15, 20 caps now. So, uh, yeah, there's, 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 there's a number of young players coming through and, uh, uh, as I say, we're, we're, you know, we're really excited about the future because uh, you know, not only have we, have we got those players, but we, we've got a good string of players underneath them as well. Well, that's great to hear, Sam. Can I wish you the best of luck in the next two games and thank you for speaking to us. Pleasure. Thanks very much indeed, Brian. Thank you. And just before we end the show, Charlie Morgan in the Telegraph Rugby Reporter joins us. Hello, Charlie. Hi, Brian. Charlie, you're here to discuss the great moments from the October's Gallagher Premiership. As seen on Channel 5 Highlight Show, listeners can get involved by voting on the Gallagher Premiership Play of the Month poll. Just go to TGR, stop, PH forward slash channel five that's numeral five rugby to cast your vote and you'll find it online as part of the telegraph's rugby coverage well we had nominees why don't you give us the uh, options that people can vote for yeah absolutely so we've got four four tries from round six which is right back at the beginning of october a lot of rugby's obviously gone uh, gone on in the, in the interim but four four great scores don armand's try egg for exeter against bath on a friday night really comprehensive win for chiefs and some really nice kind of robust cohesive build up before gareth steenson found don armand on the on the right wing with a lovely grubber kick and a brilliant finish it gathered gathered and sort of finished dotted down in the same movement Second moment, we've got Danny Kerr's interception try against Saracens. He swindled Ben Spencer off the back of a line-out, having kind of sussed the move earlier in the game when uh, Mako Vunipola drops back from the tail of a line-out. And, yeah, brilliant brilliant work from Danny Kerr there. Um, ben Velikot's try is the, is the third moment. That's all about Danny Cipriani, as, as a couple of these moments have been in this in this uh, competition so far. Um, Danny Cipriani breaks from deep at his old stomping ground, the Rico, finds Ben Velikot. There's another pass back to Cipriani and um, Cipriani finds Velikot again with a lovely clipped left-footed uh, 
kick back in field, really nice try. And the last fourth and final ones, Marco Mamma's um, try with the left, left-footed step, really explosive and wasn't necessarily just about his try, that individual performance from Marco Mamma. He was fantastic all around the field, lots of defensive contributions, lots of work at the breakdown and that that is a real statement win for Worcester, 52-7 against Bristol and um, when they get back into the Premiership duty this weekend they'll want to carry on that momentum for sure. So go on to the uh, Channel 5 uh, rugby site or the Telegraph's rugby coverage site and you can vote. And don't forget that you can catch the Gallagher Premiership Rugby Highlights show every Monday on Channel 5 at 7pm. Neil, just before we go, one last question. Uh, Given what's happened now, England should be coming out of this autumn series with three wins, shouldn't they? Absolutely. Um, But... We need to focus on the next game, as we spoke earlier, Japan and no mugs. Um, we don't want to get in an arm wrestle against those. We need to put them away and clinically. Um, I would like to see you know, a set piece to be give us a platform that we need and the line out to eradicate those errors, see if there's been some improvement in a short time. Um, and Australia at the moment uh, seem to be at disarray, so... We need to take this opportunity and put a big message down on the Southern Hemisphere. We're moving ever nearer the world champions New Zealand and in 12 months we'll be right there and we're definitely a team that can win the Rumble World Cup in 2019. As you say, there are small but very important, in fact vital improvements for England to make before they can be in that position. But bearing in mind the doom and gloom that surrounded all the injury crisis and let's remember all those players have got to come back into contention or create competition if they were to do that three out of four it will be a very good return that's all we have time for this week on Brian Moore's Full Contact with The Telegraph and Remy Martin thank you to my co-host Neil Back and my producer as always Abby Patterson make sure you're subscribed via the app of your choice and please leave a review too so that uh, more people can find out about us bye Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.